Welcome back to Talk LD. Here we are with episode 10. Alex and I decided to talk about change because 2020 has been a year of monumental change and the change is still ongoing. So it's become a big part of all our lives. Um, so we thought we'd do an episode on, on change, on how change can impact on us and what we can do to help ourselves. And also for managers, leaders, or anybody that works with other people, things that you can do to support people through change. We hope you find this episode useful and helpful. Um, and if you have any feedback or there's anything in particular you'd like us to talk about on this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so enjoy the episode, stay safe, um, and thank you for listening. Everybody and welcome back to Talk L and D. We're now on to episode ten, and we've got Alex back with us. How are you, Alex? Very well, thanks, Louisa. Good. good. Mm-hmm. Um, so today's episode, we thought we'd focus on change, seeing as uh, twenty twenty has been a year of change for many people with the pandemic. Um, and so we thought there is a model, the Kubler Ross model, um, which will maps how people react to change, like individually, organisationally. And I think we definitely have seen it as a collective. So, Alex, talk to us about what changes and how this Kubler Ross model helps us um, map how change impacts on us. So, Elizabeth Kubler Ross uh, was a medical doctor, and she back in the 1960s wrote a very cheerfully titled book uh, real really puts a spring in your stride and a smile <laughs> on your face this one it's called on death and dying wow. so bless her but she identified that when people go through loss or uh, bereavement that they follow a predictable pattern and that that patterns you know encompasses a set of phases uh, know and those sort of sort of um they tend to sort of people go through a phase of denial um and then sort of frustration uh resistance and then they kind of begin to move into acceptance and ultimately uh kind of commitment um or sort of hope as they sort of come out the other side of this process so this is uh and and this that 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 sort of those words essentially you can find them on a graph but they kind of like give you kind of like a um a curve that kind of goes down that sort of bottoms out somewhere in the pit of despair and then over time begins to kind of pick up and improve and as things kind of begin to get better as people make the the choice to engage or accept the situation Mm. that they're in and how things have changed and then when they make that decision things improve so management schools all over the all over the world have kind of grasp this idea and uh, you know in terms of um, the pseudoscience of management has identified that uh, when people go through change at work that a very similar pattern occurs you know and it's quite strange that was two 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 very different orders of magnitude you know you've got sort of loss and bereavement where you'd expect something quite significant to happen you know you'd expect that to have a very big impact on people and then you've got, you know, asking people to change desks in the office or something like that. And and curiously, you can, although on a on a different scale, you can see people move through that similar pattern, that sort of um, those phases. Mm. And uh, you know, so so that's that's the Kubler-Ross change curve. 
Yeah, very nicely described, Alex. And actually, it's quite funny. I was reading some um, reading some articles on the Kubler-Ross model, and they were even referencing an example of when your car doesn't start in the morning and the process of what you go through at first. What? No, I this hasn't happened. I can't, I can't believe, believe this happened. <laughs> and then absolutely, like, keep, frustration. Keep trying. Yeah. Keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> and then go to the absolute frustration of swearing at your car, throwing some around, like, and then sitting with your heads in your hands going, what am I going to do? And then like, right, okay, well, it's happened. What am I going to do? And yes. I'm going to call a taxi. And like literally in this like five minutes, you sort of will go through yes, this process. That's right. That's I think right. it's um, really interesting Kubler-Ross model because you know, I've been doing mental health training recently. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast, but we talk about grief and bereavement isn't just for death. And obviously we're talking organizational change, but things like divorce, redundancy, mm. any form of a big change in our life, yep. we can go through these this process and I think that's quite an important, important thing to mention that we can feel loss in many different ways which can trigger this this response and I think um, you know this year has been so much change for so many yes. people and I yes. think particularly around loss of freedom loss of just how we live our lives normally you know we can't just go off and see our friends you can't just go and hug you know it's that thing when you see someone it's like I can't hug you things like that and all of those changes and the never quite knowing what's happening next has mm. I think definitely um you know as you're talking to be that curve it's like you can see almost as a nation as a collective how we've kind of moved through this change through this year what are your thoughts mm. Alex on that yeah um well I mean I, I sort of I sort of come yeah I think that, that this this year in this stage of this year is um, is curious because we're kind of the government's invited us to go through the change curve again <laughs> under lockdown two and it's been quite interesting to see how different lockdown two is from lockdown one and it is certainly to my eyes very different uh, mm. you know um and uh yeah i mean it's different people are in different places with it mm. i think so i don't want to generalize too much because i think um, so I, I've got my experience, and I, but I think other people's experience has been very different and much more challenging. So I've been very lucky. And so I want to caveat what I'm going to say next with that, that, that you know, um, I've been very fortunate and there's more luck than judgment that's kind of seen us through this. Uh, but I think so. So initially, um, early earlier this year, when, you know, kind of coronavirus kind of emerged, it's very, very unknown thing. So we just we didn't know what the impact was going to be. We didn't know how serious it was, you know. And I think that there was a genuine sense of fear. Yeah, definitely about that because of because it definitely. was an unknown quantity. And then yeah, work stopped for me, my team, all our bookings. We had a good little good year because although we do lots of things in the business, training's a thing that kind of really pays the bills, you know. And uh, that that was a pre, pre prior to March old fashioned training, and so that all emptied, you know. So that was, you know, a bit of ground rush and that was quite destabilizing for a couple of weeks. And then you remember we did the first, like, uh, we did, started to experiment with a Zoom coaching mm. course in the evening, which was where we met the wonderful Simon. Yes. Um, yes. Know, who came along. He came along. And um, that I think there was something, a bit of a tipping point there from this is awful and it's all very much out of our control to actually... I kind of understand the problem. Let's begin to engage with this problem and let's accept it. Let's accept that the problem's there. Right? Experiment. The <laughs> Experiment. Yeah. And, and let's begin to engage with it in an experimental way. 
-hmm. and then from that point you know things improved astronomically and now we've got a new essentially a new business doing uh a training online virtually and I, and that we can see that uh going into next year even when if when we are allowed to go back and do the old-fashioned thing we'll probably do this more uh virtual thing as well so um the ultimately i think you know I, I i think it's been good i think it's been good for us as a business we've it's been uncomfortable mm. had to learn new skills and you know uh, be be quite um, you know uh, be quite bold with it except accept the criticism the mistakes in the early stages of which there are a multitude <laughs> you know sharing wrong screens getting critical feedback from grumpy delegates who kind of expect perfection yeah, yeah. <laughs> they weren't they, they, they weren't going to be disappointed they were not forgiving <laughs> no no but that's you know that's um that's that's fine and yeah. uh and, and and so but then but then uh so that was the change curve once but then of course change curve going into it again i think even the most resilient of us are thinking oh do you know here we go again here we go again and mm. actually going straight into it going through uh you know and actually as, as a result what i what i've seen and you know as i kind of drop the children off at school and we kind of go about our day day to day business you know of uh you just see that the place is still really busy everyone's kind of doing 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 whatever they were doing before and and actually i think second time around maybe because the risk isn't perceived to be quite mm. as great as it was originally now that we understand the virus better and we kind of know what we're dealing with and i think that um this time around it's it's been a much shallower much less significant dip mm. so even though it may be there a little bit it's um relatively insignificant compared to the first one um earlier this year yeah i think i i, I think i'm with you on that i think definitely felt it the first time round. Mm. i mean i it's kind of interesting because i remember when people first started hearing about coronavirus and people were just like oh it's just like oh it's nothing you know this is like pre-lockdown i remember just like oh it's just like a flu or something you know and i think everyone's probably in that denial stage of like well what what is this no everyone's just like and then obviously we all got locked down. And I think I remember there was so much fear and everyone was sitting, sitting watching the Boris briefings, like, oh, this is so important. Now everyone's sort of watching the Boris briefings being like, what is gonna happen today? What is he going to say today? Um, you know, I'm sure not everyone's like that, but most people I know are like, Roll, eye rolling here we go what's boris gonna say today um well you see but that's interesting isn't it because I, I think there's more criticism this time for ooh. the art uh, so as a society i guess and i include you know politicians in that but it's our response to the coronavirus not the coronavirus itself mm. that seems to be now um getting most of the focus certainly in the in the in the mainstream media yeah, and actually, when you thought sort of frustrations, I think there's definitely been a lot of frustration directed, hasn't there, um, at at our, our government. I mean, they haven't really helped themselves. Rightly so. So yeah. it should, because you know, this isn't a small. This isn't small stuff. I mean, mm. you know, I've got right. You, you know, I've, I was having a conversation with a single friend of mine uh, from you know my former life, and. Uh, and, it, and his spin on it was quite amusing. Um, we were, we had an, we had a virtual pint 
Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, and he was saying, yeah, it's strange. He said, basically, in what uh, in what planet would you ever believe that the government would be able would 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 be able to tell you that you've got to be celibate for <laughs> six months? I know. I mean, they've made sex right. I'm just gonna. I, I'm I'm with them on this. They've made sex illegal if you're not in the same household. I'm like, how can you make sex illegal? It's actually That's... Maslow's hierarchy's need. As a basic yeah. need, like that—that's that, quite a. It, 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 you know, that's definitely um, stepping over the line for you know. You kind of get it in, in terms of interfering with individual rights and freedoms. I mean, crazy. And the other, just I mean, we'll move on from this quickly. The other highlight around relationships was when they put us into lockdown. And I think it was a medical advisor was like, someone said, you know, what do we do if we're not living with our partners? And the medical advisor was like, well, maybe maybe now is the time to see if it's if the relationship's going to work if you live together I'm like oh wow <laughs> we're now getting relationship advice it's amazing mm. um yeah <laughs> I mean yeah I think I, I think you know there, as much as there has been some serious parts to it there are some comedic moments that can definitely be pulled out of this year and my theory and how I deal with things sometimes is is a bit of dark humor I think it's always if we can laugh since humor is essential um mm. Well, that's probably a good, that's actually quite a good tip in terms of getting through, you know, that, that the process of change. And it, I think it is perceived to be a process, which you know, yeah. is a thing. And, but actually, I think humour is probably a very important um, catalyst to get through it faster. Well, it definitely, um, I was reading a webinar on this the other day and I did say, you know, for me, having a sense of humour has been essential. It's got me through some really challenging times and i think um you know they often say like people in the police and the army they have a bit of gallows humor and i completely understand why also from some of the things i've done in the past work wise i think mm. it's important not to take ourselves or life too seriously and where we can find those moments of just laughing at some of the ridiculous things i think it's really important just like you said i think it does definitely definitely help us so things laugh or cry and I'm, I'm going to find a reason to laugh before I think about crying that's my approach to it um so yeah we've sort of talked a little bit there about some of the um different different challenges we've faced this year as yeah. a nation so with the Kubler-Ross change model I mean obviously everyone's got a different experience of change I imagine people with different life experience people have a different level of resilience to moving through change um what can people do to help themselves move through the the, the cooper ross mm. curve the change curve more quickly or what can managers and leaders do to support team members to move through the change curve i think there's a superficial answer which is all that you know the coaching the listening the you know frequent touch points of communication which we know you know, it's sort of like if you're a good human being, you kind of know that when people are destabilized, actually giving giving them a good listening to is probably a good uh, a good step in the right direction. So I think there's that. And that's probably a good that's a good start, actually, just that, you know, being being available, going to them. We did a podcast on leadership in mm. 2020 before. And I think some of those points that, you know, although we need to be decisive when you're kind of in a in a volatile situation at the same time you need to be available and present because other people will find your decisions destabilizing potentially mm, yeah but a slightly deeper answer on that one i tend to go to i've been re i um 
I've been revisiting over the last few weeks Carl Rogers's work. So yeah. I uh, like you know the psychotherapist Carl Rogers. Person-centered. Uh, Person-centered therapy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, um, so actually, it's really lovely, lovely ideas. Actually, his 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 um his work itself, you've got to really study it. It's not an easy read. It's quite quite dense, but some of his some of his thoughts are fantastic on this and his uh i think there's there's something in his belief that people are at their best people kind of have an inherent need to learn things that will move them forwards in their lives you know so help them out, move them towards self-actualization yeah. you know that we all so self-actualization is this kind of you know it's as unique as your fingerprint it's but but when p people tend to be at the happiest, it's when they're moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. So their their day to day actions and decisions align to their their vision of their ideal self. So, um, and I think so. So that so learning learning is is key, and I think that also relates to how people come out of the Cooper Ross change curve, which is when they begin to when they accept the situation that they're in and mm -hmm. they engage with it. And mm -hmm. they begin to learn and understand how to engage with their new environment or situation yeah. well, or engage with the problem well. Mm -hmm. That's a fundamentally healthy thing for people to do. And people like it goes from being a negative process of resistance and frustration to actually now we're we're on an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> we we have to and and so so I think that as soon as you can get people to begin to engage with learning. Mm -hmm. and growth growth mindset yeah, growth yeah, mindset about that as well um then because that is a very positive aspect of human that you know the human psychology le le yeah. learning is a very good thing for us on lots of different levels i think that's probably how we get people to um onto the the the, the, the right hand side of that Kubler-Ross change curve, which is the positive side for me, mm -hmm. that, that relearning, re-engaging, accept, you know, accepting and moving forwards. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think teaching, I think, I think I've had a belief for a while, actually, that we talk about a coaching culture in organisations, mm. but I think a teaching or mentoring culture in organisations yeah. is just as important. So, that you know, transfer of knowledge between people, the um, coaching, teaching, learning, all those yeah. sorts of interactions, making time for that as you go through the process of change is really important, I think. And uh, and I think is, well, again, that's that word catalyst. I think it's a catalyst mm. for getting people through the process faster. And hopefully we're doing less damage, less damage to the organization, mm. less damage to the individual when people begin to learn new things. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a really good point. And also what they can say with change as well is when their organization is going through change at, at the start of it, your pro the productivity of your team members will decrease as mm. they go through just denial and frustration. And I think yeah. um, almost always. Yeah. So you almost want to move your team through to pick up that productivity again. Um, but I think what you said, like communication is so important, isn't there? There's nothing worse than hearing about a change and not really knowing fully what's happening. And I think at that frustration phrase, people needing to vent their frustrations. I think, you know, um, people often talk about letting things go, but I firmly believe sometimes we've got to let it out before we let it go. You've got to be seen and heard with what you're feeling and experiencing. Um, yeah, well, of course, it's this, you know, we, we do this, we respond this way for a reason, mm. actually, this is the thing, you know, it's, 
it's not about trying to hack the the process you know because actually the, it's all it is in its own way i think provided people don't get stuck in yes. the process it is a good process you know it's mm. probably necessary so you're, you're absolutely right about that and and i think yeah that's that's something that i missed it's the the left hand side you know the frustration the the potentially bit of depression or feel mm. not depression feeling depressed it's like sadness just like yeah. dip isn't it that loss sense yeah. of loss that's um a necessary thing to acknowledge Mm. but I think it's when people get stuck yeah. at the bottom that's where an intervention is required yeah kind of nudge people I think you know, um, right side. when people are in the, that low point it's like finding if you understand your team members and what motivates them it's how can you engage with them on those those things that motivate them to almost spark mm. a bit of mm. a bit of movement forward and I think um, as you say, getting them to see that actually this is this could potentially be a positive thing for you. You can learn something new. We can go on this new journey. Um, but again, I think I think one of the things, like as with anything, communication is so important throughout the whole thing. One, giving space for people to talk and being heard. But I think also it's about keeping people in in the loop of what's actually going to happen. What's this going to look like? How is yes. this going to be? Um, because I think sometimes. You know that fear the fear can come in where it's like it's the unknown and if you've not really had much unknown let's say you've been in an organization for 10 years it's been pretty much steady away and then suddenly yeah. the unknown it's the, it's the unknown that triggers that fear isn't it and i think well, you know we talked right. about lockdown earlier this year i think that's where there was more fear because we would not experienced anything like this in a in generations and everyone's like what's going to happen what does this look like you know that I think is aside from the virus I think there's a lot of fear is triggered from things of when we don't know what the future is going to look like we do you know we don't have con I think it's that thing of feeling powerlessness and not feeling in control all of a sudden when something changes you're like oh and a lot of human beings we do like to mm. I feel like we've got some element of control so I think we build well, uh, we build these, these like walled cities around ourselves. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, the um, psychologist Jordan Peterson talks about this walled city that people kind of build, you know, mm. and that's a, that's 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 to give people a sense of certainty. Um, but you know, all you need is for a close family member to suddenly be diagnosed with a nasty illness, or you know, something like COVID to happen to realise that actually a lot of that. Um, a lot of that control is an illusion mm. yeah you know that we we impose on in our life and and you know habit we get into habits we're, we're creatures of habit so we get oh, to this definitely. rhythm this pattern of life and and so we are and after 10 years it's entirely understandable that someone might think well you know this is this is how every day is and so this is how yesterday was and so this is how tomorrow will be but life just isn't like that no it's not it, it can throw all kinds of yeah. things at us definitely and actually on that so just thinking you know you will get people that will embrace change you know the early doctors that they will just be like oh change great um you know let's move through this really quickly and uh, how could you engage those team members to help bring the ones that are struggling along yes that's a very good point because people people are different and and, and some mm. people quite like it you know yeah. there's this whether it's emotional resilience may whether it's something innate or whether it's that people have uh you know come from high change environments so they're just mm. a bit more used to it i don't know i don't i don't I, lots of different factors at yeah. play here but yeah some people will uh bounce through it 
and find them jump straight out, jump jump much more quickly onto mm. the right hand side. You know the acceptance and the learning. Um, well, John Cotter uh, talks oh, about yes. his creating a volunteer army. He talks yeah. about the volunteer army, who are your change agents, who, who who tend to be people like this, who are more or less on board. Um, and in uh, and his guidance in his eight step change model is that these people need to be able to teach and coach and support. So it comes back to that teaching and coaching point, mm -hmm. interestingly. That's an interesting connection. Yeah. Um, so the people who, who are kind of, you know, the, the early adopters, that they, if they have the good communication skills, that they're, they're available for people, that they, it's almost so that they, uh, it becomes part of their job mm. to, um, to be, you know, a supporter, supporter of people who are perhaps on a bit further back in the process then you kind of you you can use those people your change agents your volunteer army essentially to help create the movement uh so 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 yeah that's certainly with organizational change where you kind of need to get a kind of critical mass of people on board um it may be about um identifying that the people who are really on board with what you're trying mm -hmm. to do and um and, and, and using those using those people as change agents. The only the only other thing I would say on that though is it's very easy to rush into a bad idea, <laughs> and and actually some of that some of the resistance to change might be worth listening to. Mm. I sort of because there can but you can we can get very tunnel visions on this and yeah. it's like right this is the plan this is the vision right this is the change we're going to make it happen bish bash bosh. But actually, we don't. We're not always right. We we only have our sort of small sliver of um, perception. Yeah. So, I I think at the same time, where people are digging their heels in and resisting to change, actually, it's having having some genuine curiosity about that because some of that resistance might be quite valuable, and 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 ultimately lead to a, the plan adapting in a better way. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Like you say, because if you've, you're working in a big organisation particularly, you won't necessarily know the full ins and outs of on-the-ground information. Mm. So actually, and I think also it comes back to that communication, engaging people, if people feel engaged and feel like they're being listened to, mm. you know, can help map out, you know, as a, as a team, map out the path ahead. Um, because you do need all the information so that you don't, you don't fall over essentially um so that's a really really important point i think like the uh, volunteer change army though that's quite an interesting quite yeah. interesting but well cotter's cotter although eight steps seems like a lot i what i found with his model I, and that's a, as a useful little signpost and there's some lots of little videos and what we go into it in more detail on youtube and that sort of thing but cotter's model certainly in my experience of organizational consultancy it's one of the change models uh, as planning as a planning tool that organizations genuinely use mm -hmm. and seems to work very well it's very good i mean i wonder what it's, 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 it's not a new tool so i think some some thinking some of the modern thinking around you know agile and experimentation mm -hmm. and learning could be integrated into it but uh Cotter's eight-step model is a really fantastic tool for the planning of a change intervention or process. Yeah. Brilliant. So that's worth checking out if you are Definitely, in yeah. an organisation. Well, we we could do a podcast on it at some point in the future. Okay, yeah. It's, eight, it's just eight, eight steps takes a bit of doing. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot of steps. Um, I'm normally, I'm okay with three. Anything beyond that, it gets, <laughs> gets a bit 
yeah yeah we want to make sure it's explained yeah. explained yeah. properly um but definitely yeah. that's probably definitely worth um, a podcast yes um so so yeah, we've talked about how we can move people um through through change more more quickly um and it seems to be a lot of learning culture coaching communication is key finding your sort of champions of change and getting them to support people through that whole process I think is um yeah really really important um anything else on change you want to highlight uh yes my last thought on this 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 is a very practical point actually uh so this was a little journal article which I came across quite recently in the International Journal of Evidence-Based Coaching and Mentoring. Yeah. Hmm. And so this was um, an interesting study that was done yet uh, last year, and um, it was essentially looking at an, an interesting, challenging statistic. Which so this is pre-COVID and all that, mm-hmm. but when people join. People join an organization, they come in from an outside organization, they come into a new organization um, at a senior level. So mm. degree of re- so they're decision maker, lots of responsibility, probably quite a lot of visibility and expectation. 40% of people who do that don't stay in the job for six months. Wow, 40%? 40%, yeah. Wow. Um, I think this was an American study. Mm-hmm. So that's in the US. So I don't know whether it's different in Britain. Mm. But anyway... It's, it's still an, inter- it's an interesting mm. thought. And then, of course, in right where we are now, so we've got people coming into jobs, just, you know, because, you know, the, the, the world is, is continuing to turn and people yeah. are losing jobs or resigning and going to new mm-hmm. organisations. But now they're not even getting to meet their new colleagues. No. They're meeting them through Zoom and that sort of thing. Yeah. Very strange experience, I'm sure. Starting a new job, sort of. It must be, mustn't it? Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, you're having lots of Zoom meetings and all that sort of stuff. It's just untried. We don't <laughs> quite know. But my I, my, I suppose, so So if we know that the Kubernetes, and, and of course, the reason so many people, leave, you know, don't last six months is because, well, they've got all that pressure of being in the new job and all that to kind of deal with. But at the same time, they're going through mm. the change curve, you know, Definitely. so there's that additional psychological strain, which we don't, the job change Yes. The new organisation, lots to learn, lots lots of expectation, particularly, again, if you are in that visible position and all that Kubernetes change curve stuff as well. And then, yeah, virtual engagement with people. I think that if we want it to work for people, so new joiners, new people coming into teams, uh, new people coming to the organisation, I think that as a practical point, being more more aware than ever, actually, of the impact on the individual of that highly unusual journey mm. into a new position or a new organization is something to think about and yeah. if we're leading teams where we've got new joiners and that sort of thing i think being particularly vigilant to uh, the the impact of h- highly unusual change yeah and how we keep our team new team members engaged in that process definitely yes it's a really it. A really good point there, um, Alex, that actually when people start new jobs, they can go through that change process. Um, and we need to yeah. be aware of that, definitely. Um, I definitely have the experience of that myself. Yes, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so just sort of summarise, we've 
this this podcast we've talked about Kubler-Ross change model and how the process people work through from denial of you know, refusing to believe that something's happened then through frustration sometimes anger and dipping into sort of this the sadness of actually the past has gone things have changed um, and then moving up towards um, sort of learning something new experimentation and acceptance that the change is happening and you know this model can be used it's you know it's came from from death and loss but actually any form of change someone experiences in their life and an organization change people can move through this and really the key things to help people move through change or help yourself is to um it's communication and a learning culture and thinking what you know what can we learn from this how can we grow from this that growth mindset which we did in a, another podcast if you wanted to listen to that um and alex as ever you've been brilliant in sharing all your all the theory um some research um hopefully that might be helpful for some people during this these these strange times of change um but we just thought it would be quite a good a good one to to share have you got anything else you want to add to that alex it's a big old topic isn't it i yeah I think this has been a whistle stop tour i think we could revisit this mm. um you know where maybe maybe we, let's have a, if anyone's interested in the john cotter eight mm. steps of change if you're kind of involved in a change program or you're a change manager then l listen out for that one because i think that warrants its own discussion yes definitely definitely and changes yeah as you say human beings are creatures of habit but change is a part of life so yes. those two things aren't necessarily um compatible no, it's it's, uncom <laughs> it's uncomfortable you know even even just watching you know i've got two children watching them growing up and you know, it's there's this constant sense of loss and acceptance. <laughs> yes. So yes. It is, it's 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 a little bit incongruent. Mm. Anyway, there it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much as ever, Alex. Mm. I hope you've all enjoyed a podcast on managing change and um, join us soon for the, the next episode of uh, Talk L&D. Thank you very much. Thank you.